Hello, I'm Ash Taylor, and this is the Business Clubhouse Conversations. The Business Clubhouse is a community for business owners to come together to solve problems, share challenges, and successes. We create a safe but challenging space where ambitious but frustrated individuals can work as a team to create better lives for themselves and their families. I'm also the author of Hitting the Wall, which is about winning the game of business by breaking through your own barriers. In this podcast, I interview business owners and entrepreneurs like you. They share their stories and insights into what makes them and their businesses tick. We talk about challenges faced, lessons learned, and dig into the mindset of what's involved to run a successful business on your terms. It's a mix of deep conversation, entertaining anecdotes, with real people opening up so you can benefit from their experience and journeys. Because why wait to make mistakes when you can learn from others first? In this week's episode, we hear from Bradley Hatchett from Network My Club. Brad's experience of working for Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club, combined with a lifelong love of sport, led him to start a business specialising in networking opportunities to people from a wide range of businesses. We also hear why having a vision and being able to articulate it was key to helping Bradley bring his ideas to life and why, during lockdown, the virtual networking sessions they provided have been invaluable in supporting their members around the country. Hi Ash, I'm good, how are you? Yeah, pretty well, pretty well. It's a bit, a bit gloomy out there, but at least it's not raining, which makes a change. Um, so, Brad, ironically, or maybe not, I suppose this is what you want to happen. I, I met you through networking, so um, it's a bit of a lead into. Uh, do you want to just tell people what, what what you do, and then we'll just kind of go into your background and stuff like that? But you know, what do you do? Who do you do it for? What are you trying to, you know, yeah. bring to the world? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I founded Network My Club about five years ago now. Uh, we're a business networking organization, uh, membership organization, um, really bringing businesses together using iconic sporting venues as the place to do that. Um, the premise of the business was built with a, with a big sporting background of mine, a big interest in sport, and, uh, and also wanting to make networking something that people want to do rather than feel like they have to. And you know, there's no, no better place to network than a place like Twickenham Stadium or the Oval Cricket Ground in comparison to a bar or a cafe in the city or something like that. So yeah, um, our, our members across all different, um, all different industries, different, different shapes and sizes, but ultimately it's making something, it's making networking something you, uh, you want to do rather than feel like you have to. Do you, do you think just, I mean, before we go into your background too much, because there's, there's a good question there. Do you think people, business owners feel like they should be networking? versus you know wanting to do it and getting excited about it and leveraging it effectively well when i when i started the business it wasn't a case of i've got to break down the stigma that networking is this thing that people feel like they should be doing that it's just men in suits in a windowless room and it's not very interesting to go to it wasn't about that it was my background had been in sport i saw that stadiums were very underutilized and that they provided a great space to bring businesses together and the the venue and the sport acted as as an icebreaker and when i started the business what i did start to see and going to a lot of networking events myself that weren't ours it just seemed that a lot of people were going oh kind of here again for another couple of hours and seeing what i can get and i just thought that you know these people were 
were sort of losing networking before they even stepped in the room because they thought it was a bit of a chore going to it. So over time, I just realized that the culture and the mindset of people coming to our events compared to perhaps others was that people really loved coming to our venues. They liked coming to the events and that just happened over time. It became another mission of mine to sort of break that stigma down. Um, but I do, I do, it's all dependent on the role. So if it's a business owner, I see it less so because that business owner has, you know, they've got a lot of control in sort of what they do yeah. and how they, what they do with their time. But if it's a sales manager, business development manager, sales director, that sort of role, it can feel like it's a bit of a tick box exercise for those people. Um, and a case of just going to see what they can get. And as I say, that's, you're, you're pretty much, uh, you're going in with the wrong mindset in that respect. Mm. So, um, yeah, I do see it a bit, and that's definitely been something that I've, that that's evolved over the over the years as something that we've really wanted to try and break that stigma down. And if anyone's coming to our events and not really wanting to be there, it's like there's plenty of other events for you to go to. So, um, that's just something that's evolved over time, really. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when I when I started networking, because I moved. I hadn't really done a huge amount of networking in my old business, which was in sport. And um, I hadn't needed to because my clients were not in, um, you, know, you know, my networking was hanging outside the school gate. Don't take that the wrong way. But, you know, the more mums I could meet, <laughs> the more kids we could get um, into our programs kind of thing. Um, and flyer drops and doing assemblies and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I started networking towards the end of that business, partly because I realised I needed um, more partners in the business. And I thought, well, where are the partners hanging out? They're probably networking. And then when I moved into um, the area I live in now, uh, near Gerard's Cross or the South Bucks, I thought, well, how am I going to meet people? I don't know anybody in this village, in this town. So I'll find some business networking and, and go to them. And I've seen it. it, it uh, uh, you're just making me aware of this. The first, I don't know, dozen networking events I went to, all, I'll say this slightly carefully, but all seemed to be run by people in professional services and it was all quite stale relatively elderly perhaps and 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 quite formal you know that was that sort of bni type stigma around it but i am noticing a lot more uh, a lot more networking now that's much much more vibrant and and, and a lot more relaxed and informal and there are fewer people with you know, shirts and ties and people turn out in polos and t-shirts and all that sort of stuff. Is that something you're noticing generally or, or do you not get out of your own network enough to sort of get a comparison? You know I, mean? I think, um, and we spoke about this before, that people network for different reasons and people, you know, will pick a networking group and there are lots of different groups out there. People will pick a group based on the format, how structured it is, how regimented it is, the types of people that are there. The, the mindset of the people that are there, the, not just the industries and the size of businesses. That, these are all things that people will consider now. Um, and from that, new networking groups have appeared and, and have been set up. I mean, that's one thing that we have to fight against a lot is the sheer amount of networking groups yeah. and networking events. But what I do say to a lot of people is that networking is our business. We aren't a solicitor or a law firm that's running their own networking event and has as a bit of a side hustle this is our business you know the 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 quality of our events the, the experience we give our members ultimately is our key objective um yeah. and is ultimately going to give us 
longevity in in business and keeping people coming back and and mm. events being well received so that's one thing that we fight against but i think people network for so many different reasons that you know there has been lots of different formats lots of different groups uh, popping up over i mean even in the five years we've been going the amount of networking groups that have just come and gone in the different areas that we work in is yeah mind-boggling really but um and it typically comes down to someone thinking oh it's so easy to start a networking group but it isn't just about hiring a room and seeing how many people you can get in the room it's all about you know culture format you know the experience you're giving people um because there is so much choice now that people go oh i've done that one and it wasn't very good i'll go to another one so that's what we fight against a lot but and I think that has come in a good way because people are networking for lots of different reasons. And you say the likes of BNI, which has been around for decades. Um, yeah, so it must work. It's still it, it must work. But their 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 um, ethos is referrals, very very numbers driven, um, and that's really. And we're kind of at the other end of the spectrum in terms of the format of our events. And you know our events well. Yeah. They, you know, they they have a format and a structure, but they are nice and informal. And it's all about people buying into the people they want to do some business with. So um, I think the, the variation of networking has come as a result of people realizing that networking can be done for lots of different reasons other than just generating referrals and business. Yeah, yeah some of it is social as well, isn't it? And supportive, as we talked about. Off air. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, times like this, and, you know, we're currently recording this in our second phase of lockdown. And I think, you know, we had a good chat off air, actually, that networking for some people has been... I'm not sure I'll go as far as to say as a, as, a, as a lifeline, but certainly a business lifeline in terms of being able to talk to people and, and recognise that other people are going through the same challenges that they're going through. And, and being able to share that can be really powerful. It can be really cool just to go in, I'm struggling with this, and actually having other people put their hand up and say, yeah, I know how that feels because we're going through the same thing. We've just furloughed eight, num- you know, eight members of staff or whatever it is. And yeah, I don't know if we're going to get any grants or I'm self-employed and I fall through the bracket or you know, do you think I should take out this loan? And this, there's so much complexity around what support was available. That actually, when you get a group of business owners in a room and, and they have an opportunity to chat those things through, especially when the problem is complex or new, I do find that when you get that sort of diverse group of people who are coming from different industries, different backgrounds, for different reasons, you tend to solve the problems far more effectively. And that, that must be a really nice thing to see almost as a spin-off from what, from what you're doing. And I mean, have you found that in the last couple of months, especially? Yeah, I mean, the early stages of lockpoint, uh, lockdown 1.0, uh, we yeah. should call it, as we are, going, <laughs> Good, yeah. we are currently in 2.0. Um, you know, the, the people, I, I said to you off air that the first two months of that were so much about people supporting one another and mm. sharing the challenges. And that in itself has created some really strong bonds and relationships between our members. Um, members that, again, the beauty of online is that we had members networking with each other from totally different regions that they perhaps would never have networked with before. Um, but they've built these bonds and these relationships up just through these shared challenges. And yeah. they almost they made themselves vulnerable almost by saying, mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got this challenge as a business. Um, and we, we also made a bit of a point of doing that in the early stages as a, as a team. We wanted to understand what the challenges were that our members were going through because we saw it day in, day out. Um, you know, we, we were impacted quite a lot early on just from people cutting all costs and, and that sure. sort of thing. But we really wanted to understand our members 
even more by by asking these questions during our events by saying you know what is the biggest challenge in your business right now and you know it, it became so informative for us and we as a team have got even better relationships with with our members uh, as as a result of that so yeah that definitely from a member interaction perspective and engagement was was huge was huge and and the other the other point you make there with so many different businesses different walks of life people are coming from you know the something i only read it in a blog post earlier actually the, the value of group diversity really shone through because you've got so many different people and i read in this blog it was talking about why would you want to go into the room where there's all the same people um you want to go in somewhere where people have got different challenges different yeah. businesses and you can just learn so much and that comes from you know members engaging and, and being proactive in in sharing that information um because yeah that that really you know that it, it was a bit of a business lifeline for people in terms of on, online networking at, at the start of it. But it really, for those that threw themselves into it, it it's become, they've, they're now seeing the fruits of that because they've built those relationships. So uh, that's just an example of, of networking through during um, the COVID times and the pandemic. Um, that's really, that's really, um, we've seen it across the board. It's really shone through for our members. You, you ran a, you run lots of events, but you ran one, oh, now I'm trying to think, two weeks ago with um, my namesake, Ash Smith, who was the speaker. And I think that was the first one where you actually got, you'd got Anders to run the event and you, yeah, you, you took a step back in the background, which is quite quite entertaining. Uh, he did a great job, by the way. But, you know, if you listen to it, he, he was super. Um, and I think I put in the chat comments um, about the book that I've read twice now, second read of it, which is Rebel Ideas by um matthew syed the name i'm sure you'll know because both at the times black box thinking bounce obviously and his background is um table tennis and uh, i would urge anyone who's got kind of that interest you know not necessarily in sport but in that sort of that in diverse thinking um you know and he uses a term called cognitive diversity which is what the whole book is about yeah. and it's an incredible read and it's fascinating it does talk about that that actually if you want to solve problems and we are in complex times, then bring as wide a range of people as you possibly can to the table because you've got the greatest chance of solving those problems. And um, Mike Brearley, who you'll also be aware of as well, ex-England captain, he talked mm. about the same thing, you know, that he, he used to surround himself um, as, a, as a cricket coach with people from other sports. And it was something that nobody had ever spoken about before or done. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and Matthew Syed's part of Gareth Southgate set up at the FA now, isn't he? And, mm. you know, you've got David Brailsford's involved, all, all that sort of stuff. So is, do, um, I wanted to take you back a little bit, if that's OK. So your background's in sport. Did you play? Just let's unpick some of that. Did, <laughs> yeah. You, obviously, you spent time in sporting arenas and you noticed that there was a lack of use, you know. Did you play? Was it professional? What level? How did you get into business? What was your first job? Let's just unpick a bit of Bradley's yeah, that's history. It. That's <laughs> it. I mean, I've played sports since I could stand up, I think, um, but played um, at a decent level, cricket. Didn't get to a professional level. My brother did. My brother spent six years playing professionally for Sussex. Um, and I made the decision sort of in my late teens or mid, mid to late teens that you know, I, I didn't really have the passion for it, wasn't that interested in it um, and, and, and made the decision that what I want to do is do something evolved around sport. I didn't know what, I just 
my uh, my godfather who has been a big influence in in my life he's also a business um also a co-director um of network my club and sort of was his background had been in in the in the commercial side of sport in broadcasting and that sort of thing and when i was growing up he used to take me and dad to these champions league games at old trafford and Stamford bridge and highbury and I remember leaving those those games and going, Dad, whatever Richard does, I want to do because I just thought it was the best job going into these into these lounges before a game and having dinner with all these lovely people and, and just thought if Richard does this for his job, I thought this is this is this is brilliant. <laughs> this, is what, this is what I want to do. Um, and yeah, so when I made the decision leaving leaving college that going to university wasn't really for me. I wanted to go into the industry or, or get some experience and just wanted to do something involved in sport and, uh, and started working in a marketing agency that had a couple of clients. One was Umbro and one was LucasAid and just very low level project assistant type work. And I was interested because some of the projects we were working on were football boot launches and drinks drinks around football uh, football and rugby and that sort of thing so it, it interested me and then um my sort of big step on the ladder as it were uh, richard at the time was chairman of the america's cup a big sailing event um and they had a a world series event in plymouth and i just said look can you can i do something down there and he gave me a month's worth of experience with his pa and uh, the the media and communications director spent a month down in Plymouth and uh, on the event and it was brilliant. That was just a month and then I needed to find another role. But with that experience, I've got a role in um, the commercial team at Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club and spent four years there in the partnerships and sponsorships team. Brilliant place to work because not only did I support the club, but it was in the in the Amex Stadium, which was, you know, brand new at the time. Brand new, yeah. yeah. A, a brilliant place to work and um, from from there, the, the idea of Network My Club came came to fruition just purely on the basis of being able to um, utilize a stadium from a from a uh, events perspective. Um, and yeah, we that's how, how a long story short, how it how it came to fruition. But ultimately, it was just wanting to be involved in sport in one way, shape or form um, and trying to find something in network my club is so is really involved in the sporting environment in terms of our locations but our business is very much business to business uh, networking so that's a that's a very very quick sort of history in terms of where i came from and to but no my brother got the um the professional sportsman's genes not me <laughs> so, did, so did you when you had the idea for network my club was that because you were inside the stadium and, and there probably was you know once a fortnight you know build up to a midweek game as well this all this frenetic activity um and then you have you know a couple of hundred minutes where it's just full to the brim and you know it's, it's chaos and then it's lying empty and we, mm. was there a moment where you went this is ridiculous why 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 is the stadium not full the rest of the time and you know i've, I've got a friend of mine who worked at wembley um i think i mentioned you to and uh, he, he ran the events at Wembley, brought boxing back to Wembley, that sort of stuff. And for him, it was about, well, how do we get crowds in more often? Um, you know, how do, we, how do we fill the stadium side of it with, with events rather than, well, we've got all these meeting rooms, we've got all these boxes, we've got all these spaces that are lying empty. So how, was that the, the thing that made you go, well, how, how can we leverage it and 
what's the gap? How, how, tell me about your Yeah, I mean, you, you learn very quickly when you're working in a stadium like that day in, day out, that it's only being used for its main purpose 5% of the year, if that. Mm. Um, in our case, 23 days a year when we were playing football. So you had the, the rest of the year when it was empty. And the idea came about from a friend of mine who worked in the commercial team before my time there. Um, and had, so my role at Brighton had involved running our own internally run networking group. So that was one of my babies amongst us, amongst running our um, kit sponsors and corporate members and that sort of thing. And, you know, from speaking to my counterparts at other clubs up and down the country, there seemed to be a real demand and a need for a networking group or, or a want for a networking group at their stadium. You know, they all realized that they had this empty space, but they just didn't have the resource to be able to deliver it. And, um, and you know, the, the, the premise of Network My Club came about from, from that going, well, there seems to be a need for, there's the, the, the need is wanting, or the want is a business club and a networking group. The challenge is not having the resource to do that internally. So Network My Club was born where we provide that service and that solution. And as a company, we'll engage with the local business community and bring them to the stadium as a place to network. And then the clubs can interact with them. They can show yeah. off their beautiful facilities. And it's just a much, much different environment to network in than, than, than others in, around the town or city. So, yeah, it definitely came about from my time there. You realise that it is empty for a big portion of the time and um, that, that, that clubs professional clubs have so many other things to consider from their top line sponsors down to hospitality on a match day and everything in between. And um, the business clubs um, can, can be a very time consuming and we kind of take that away from them and focus on ourselves. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And was it, was it, um, was it a big step to kind of go, do you know what, I'm going to leave this job where I know I've got a salary it's okay and there's probably a career path for me you know if not at Brighton then maybe at other clubs or whatever and go no no I'm going to stop on this date and on this date I'm going to start this business and I'm going to have a, my my box of business cards and I go networking and, and grow is, was, is that the way it worked or did you sort of phase yourself in and no it was it was a very it was a very difficult decision I saw the I saw the um the vision and I could completely see where it could go, but it was a very difficult decision because I was almost in my dream job at 20, 21, 22, working at the club that I love in a role that I saw progression in, in a team that, you know, I was meeting lots of people and working on some really cool things and um, was watching, was, was working at football, which was just the best thing ever. Um, yeah. And so for me to make that, that jump was, was big because and the amount of times, and I'm sure many business owners will, will relate to this. The amount of times I've thought, God, what I'd give to just go back to that stable salary. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. that, those first two years was a bit like, why the hell have I done this? But that making the jump was harder because of the role that I was in. But obviously that role gave me the, the expertise and the knowledge to actually start it. Um, I then, I had the idea and um, sort of said to mum and dad, I was like, what do you think? You know, I've got, I've got, got to do it at some point, I think. And mum Mum's got a bit of an entrepreneurial background, business owner background. She said, well, there's no better time to do it now. You're young, you've got no commitments, you've got no, nothing hanging over you. Um, she was like, right, just, just go for it. But I recommend just run it past Richard, um, my godfather. And 
I ran it past Richard and I remember meeting him in a pub in Chichester and had this business plan in front of him and presented him the idea. And at the time he'd just finished his role with the America's Cup and was sort of not do it really doing a lot. Um, and he said, yeah, if you, if you really believe in it, I, I see the potential, I'll invest in it to get it going for a stake in the, in the company. And, and that allowed me to leave my role, gave me a little bit to kind of put into the company as sort of set up costs. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of those setup costs were gone within the first couple of months, and then you're sort <laughs> yeah. of you're on your own. Um, so that was really the the process. I really couldn't have done it if it wasn't for for Richard buying into it and buying into my vision and really seeing where we wanted to take it. Um, and yeah, it was made difficult based on the role that I was in because I saw real potential in that and real longevity in that. But it was kind of the the best time for me to do it. So. Yeah, that was really my my thought process and the challenges that I had there. That sounds really exciting, though, because you're right. When, when you don't have, I mean, I work with a lot of business owners who are trying to shift through the gears, if you like, of their businesses, but they're doing it very aware that they've got perhaps a young family partner, you know, husband, wife, um, you know, responsibilities and all the rest of it. And it's quite, a, it's quite a scary thing to do because that level of risk is that, that much higher. So I suppose you have taken the leap at the right sort of time in your life because, you know, you can see now, um, you know, where it can go and, and you can see that vision being fulfilled. And I, and I think the, the really, the, the thing that's come out of this more than, that struck me more than anything else is your absolute clarity of vision. Because I do, I do, it's not like I get frustrated, but I do find it really difficult when I meet people and I say to them, right, so what does the business look like in five years' time? You know, describe the vision for me. What, 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 you know, you must know what you're trying to build. And they're like, no, not really. <laughs> you just think, well, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? You know, and the, the thing that stands out for me is it's not just that you have that vision. But you you were able to articulate it so passionately and so clearly to somebody else that okay appreciate that Richard's your godfather but if you know it sounds like from what we you, you and I have spoken about before that if he thought the business plan was a load of hooey and he didn't believe in you and the vision he would have gone yeah go for it and walked away and not yeah. invested in the business so that's really I think that's a that's a big lesson for people listening is is get your head around the vision that you know really really understand what it is that you want to mm. achieve and what it looks like and the numbers don't necessarily need to be there but you need to see the passion and and what so describe that vision for me I and mean, it might be that you, you don't give away all your growth secrets <laughs> but when you when you you know when if you go back to that time and you go back to that pub in Chichester what were you describing well I mean as I said at the start I did it wasn't really addressing a problem within networking it was addressing a problem uh, or a need and a demand in um, facilitating networking at these really cool sporting venues. Yeah. Um, and that just evolved, the networking side of things evolved. So I saw the need for that, you know, across the country. You know, there were very few, probably three or four clubs doing it themselves. Um, and I thought, well, if that's the amount of, out of all the football, cricket, rugby clubs there are in the country, you know, there's a huge amount that, um, were, would, would open their doors up and, and welcome a conversation. So I had a, I had a vision of that this can be national and that is still the, that is still the vision. Um, obviously where you are 
with just a business plan, you've, your, your growth expectations are probably um, a little bit unrealistic. Um, certainly were at 22 years old when I was putting them together. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, you have to have that idea. And I think that's something that's, to be honest, I haven't really looked at that business plan again, and I've still got it on file because I want to have a look at it at some in, point. In a drawer somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but um, it definitely it, the the principles of it and the and the ultimate vision and the long term vision will will be very similar to where I am now, and just the just how we're going to get there will change. And, um, and obviously, the last seven months has has pushed that back probably a little bit, but here we are. Um, but yeah, having that having that long term vision was so so crucial um for 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 getting buy-in from from richard from getting also buy-in from from our initial um the clubs that took took the risk on us um and yeah that's there was a question i was asked a lot early on and still am today by a lot of people um but it still remains the same the long-term goal of the company still remains the same um just you know there's that there's that there's that infamous graphic of what success looks like and everyone thinks it's that straight line <laughs> but it's that whole up and down yeah, picture yeah. um and that is that's never truer and um yeah I've, I've since starting the business which you know they don't you don't get prepared for at school you don't get prepared for in life in starting a business and it's the loneliest place in the world at times and yeah. um you know that is that's something that's that, that i know you'll probably ask me later about things that i can reflect on if I was to start this all over again, but you know how how lonely the journey can be at times. But going back to that vision is what's kept me on the straight straight path to try and succeed and and keep pushing on through those days where I do think, oh, I'd love to go back to that that guaranteed salary and being able to plan my life and all these things that you have to sacrifice um, mm. as a result of being a business owner um, and pursuing that vision. Um, that's just that's what keeps you going and um, definitely has got me through those, those, those days. So yeah, you're right in that everyone should have that vision, should be able to visualize it, should be able to articulate it. And whether that rings true, you know, as I say, my vision where I was when I first pitched that idea to Richard is probably, was probably two years ago, but we're not there yet, but I know we're making the right steps to get there. Yeah. Um, and there's things that you can't foresee um, that come up. Um, a global pandemic being one but there's plenty of others on even smaller even smaller things that get in the way so yeah you're right having having that vision will get you through those days and to your point about having the passion you know i've got ultimate passion in making network my club the success that i know it can be um and i listened to a podcast recently with eddie hearn and he has a great line that he uses and it's like no passion no point and it's it is yeah, like that. I, I asked myself <laughs> You know, what if what would I be doing if I wasn't doing this? It'd probably be in a job that working for someone, you know, paying the bills, gradually going up the ladder. Well, that's not that's not excite that's not going to excite me. So I've got the passion, and as as, as Eddie Hearn says, it's stuck with me now. No passion, no point. So yeah, there's that there's that other saying I can't remember who it was. Um, that you know, if, if you if you don't have a vision, you'll end up working for somebody else's. Yeah, so, you know, it's a very, very similar thing. Yeah, it? it's, it's possibly quite all right. You've, you've, you know, you've built a team that are equally passionate about what you do. They're always very engaging, and you know, they're easy to get a hold of. That you know, I think is too much trouble, and that's a very cultural thing that you've obviously 
um, instigated and, and attracted people to you. And there's a, there's a possible irony there that at some point one of them will have a conversation with you along the same lines of, I've got this great job and I really enjoy it, but I've got this idea. <laughs> and in, 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 to a degree, you know, there's probably a part of you that hopes that will happen, you know, with somebody, you know, maybe not today, but, um, you know, at some point, if one of your staff were to come to you, you know, one of your team come to you and say, do you know what, I love this but I've got this idea and I want to follow it. And can I go with your blessing? You know, you, you, it, that would almost be full circle, wouldn't it? But, it really would, yeah. And I would never, never stand in their way, you know, and I'll give the, I can give them as much advice as possible. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would never, never stand in their way. And that's something that, you know, as a, from a cultural perspective, there's lots of things that probably growing a team and managing people has been the biggest area of development and something that still... You know, I'm fascinated by and I'd really struggle with. It's probably been my biggest struggle in trying to get that right. But putting on the table and saying that no idea is a bad, any idea is a bad idea is something that I'm really keen to instigate. And we could have the smallest thing or the biggest thing come come to the table and having that making having that environment where people feel comfortable to do that. Um, that's just one of many things that we do. So if someone if they do come to me and say I've got this cool idea that I want to run with. Brilliant, you know, that's... Uh, and maybe you'll invest in it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay, so you you just started to draw this close a little bit. This is fascinating. And I, I know we've had conversations in the past when we go off on all sorts of tangents. I'm desperately trying not to start talking about football <laughs> last night and all the rest of it. You and I are supposed to go and see um, England-Denmark together. We were, we? yeah. yeah. That was the week of the, pa- week of the lockdown, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, we, we'll have to revisit that one. We will do, yeah. One day. Um, yeah, so if, if you could, you know, go back to that that pub in Chichester now, okay, and, and you know, Richard pops off to the loo or to get the next round of drinks, and you could sidle in alongside yourself and you've got that 30 seconds, you know, <laughs> you know, you do it with the bar, and, and you could say to that, you know, the, the, the Bradley that you were then, given all your experience and everything you've learned, you know, you've, you've mentioned about, you know, learning how to manage people and build a team and the culture and all the rest of it. What, what would be the piece of advice you'd pass on to, you know, that Bradley, knowing what you know now and you know, having experienced the journey? I, I would prepare them for the sacrifice. Uh, I think that's something that I was aware of that as a starting a business and you go from earning a salary to nothing. And uh, yes, we, I was lucky that Richard decided to invest £10,000 it was to, to get us going, but that was eaten up very quickly by set up setup costs and starting something pretty much from scratch you know you sacrifice a hell of a lot mm-hmm. um i think preparing someone for that preparing myself for that a little bit better um i've sort of i've managed well with that and uh, and even to this day you still continue to sacrifice um and i think you always do as a business owner but um i think preparing them for that and also preparing myself for the you know the managing people i think someone said to me really early on before i'd taken on anders who was our first employee was the best employing people will be the best and worst thing you've ever done i think (laughs) what what's the downside what's the (laughs) i couldn't people (laughs) yeah i couldn't see the downside but you're right they are human beings and it's not just about managing them from when they log on in the morning and when they log off it's everything in between and uh managing them as human beings and that that's that probably takes up not not my time but my mental capacity a huge amount of my mental capacity every month and that's 
not due that's that's no fault of theirs that's that's how I am and that's something that I'm trying to improve and trying to manage and not expecting too much from them and that's one thing that you know I I read um I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk who I follow on social media said uh said something like that just as long as you understand as a business owner entrepreneur whatever that your staff won't have the same level of passion and commitment as you that manages all your expectations so where I'm logged on at 10 11 o'clock at night and I'm sending emails and I'm putting stuff out there and I'm you know don't expect to reply then expect to reply tomorrow or when they've done their their bits and pieces and when they've got through their their to-do list and you know not expecting that instant response and I was probably guilty of that in the early days but I've certainly managed that um, back and that's you probably gauge that the, the whole managing people thing is something that really you know fascinates me and something that I, I am always striving to to improve and I don't get it right all the time um, but you know hopefully that my guys are open enough and we've got a transparent relationship enough that yeah. they'll they'll tell me um that, that i haven't so i think definitely um the whole the managing people side of things was a huge thing for me and i know you're big on it but outsourcing uh, being you know outsourcing work when you can um and i probably pulled the trigger on employing uh, more people than i needed to early on but we've got around it and we're, we're in a healthy position now but in hindsight i probably would outsource things to get the business to a point where it's sustainable to bring sure. uh, an employee yeah. on because now I know all the baggage is a very negative term, but all the baggage that comes with, um, with employing someone. So that's, that's definitely something, probably a couple of things there that I'd, I'd focus on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And a few people have mentioned that in these podcasts as well, that, you know, learning how to, you know, it's a big difference between managing people and leading them. I, I, you know, I, I believe, you know, and, and great leaders make, easy, you know, comfortable managers as well, but not all managers make great leaders. And yep. there is a big, there is a big difference. And, and I think you lead your team very well because, you know, the, the passion that they exude, as I said earlier, they're really easy to get on with and all the rest of it. I, I don't get the impression that they're in at nine and leave at five, they, 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 you know, they give you more than that. And yeah. you only get that from people who lead. Um, not from people who manage. So I think you know that you, you, you're probably um, further along the line than you think you are in terms of that. But that's because you're consciously aware of it and you're trying to improve yeah. yourself and, and, and look at those look at those things. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. So where where's um, where's the best place to go? Well, actually, I had another question before I closed off. Yeah. Um, who on on that last point? Who's the best? go back not necessarily sport specific but this is where my head is going who's who's the best leader you you've come across not necessarily physically mm. met always oh, you know, i have the i have the privilege of um, meeting a lot of business owners um and i take a lot from everyone that i meet whether that's someone that manages a team of five whether that's someone that leads a team of 20 or 50 um so i I try and take a lot from a lot of our members and a lot of businesses that I meet in passing. Um, I think high profile wise, um, I get a, a, I've listened and read a lot from Clive Woodward, um, who yeah. has got a fascinating background. Everyone attributes him to just rugby, but his background before rugby was business. And he's, you know, he, he he's just brilliant from understanding people and the methods that he he installs in how he works, both with businesses and sports people. So he's, he's a big one. But also, 
I think anyone that treats their people well, I'm a huge, you know, huge admirer of because if they've got that awareness um, to do that, you know, putting people first, you know, there is, there's no um, secret and um, to, or no surprise that their business is thriving because their people are well looked after. So I've always seen good examples of that. There's a guy called Dan Price in America who um, runs a company called Gravity Payments. And he was the, he made um, national, international press because he was the first business person to increase the salary of all his staff to 70. Uh, Yes. Yes. And he reduced his salary from one and a half million down to, down to 70k um so i look at him a lot and i think anyone that that can look after their people is a is a good person to uh, to to use as an example yeah that's really cool i'd forgotten that story yeah that is, well it's not a story it's a fact isn't it <laughs> yeah. amazing so um if people want to try out uh network my club because I, yeah. I would uh, urge anyone listening to this that you know if you're looking for a great network opportunity then it's, it's definitely a place to try and I, i've tried to send a few people along um and certainly at the moment um it's much easier to access than taking a train into london as i used to do to come to the oval not like i resented that because it's a lovely place to go although i think four months running every time i went it rained <laughs> so yeah get off the yeah. Tube, absolutely <laughs> so um i don't have to deal with that anymore so how, how do people find out more about network my club if they want to get involved and come and try you out yeah just just have a look at network my club uh online uh, we're very big on linkedin so we'd be keen to connect up with people on that um so yeah those or or get in contact with me via linkedin is always a good one perfect easy brilliant brad thank you so much for coming on agreeing to do this with us no worries ash really appreciate it excellent and i'll see you very soon thank you